Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. There are people that work in the social work field that could get more lucrative jobs at hospitals, at schools. You have to raise the starting salary. $43,000 a year. May work in rural parts of the state where the cost of living is lower, but that just does not work in St. Louis. The Children's Division of Missouri's Department of Social Services is severely understaffed. In St. Louis and St. Louis County, there should be 60 investigators total. Instead, there are 16. That shortage has led to a backlog of over 6,000 cases involving child abuse or neglect. Also, those backlogged cases have remained open beyond 45 days, far longer than other regions in Missouri. STLPR politics correspondent Jason Rosenbaum has been following this story, and he joins us now to talk about his reporting done in partnership with NPR's Midwest Newsroom. His report, published just today, takes a look at the situation locally and statewide. Jason, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. And first, I want to acknowledge that this is a very heavy and serious subject matter, um, Sid, so I appreciate your talking with us uh, about this. Absolutely. Now, Missouri's Department of Social Services and Children's Division. Jason, what is it um, and what does it do? So the Department of Social Services is this large state government agency that has dominion over a lot of really important programs, including like the Medicaid program, um, temporary assistance for, for needy families, and what's known as the Children's Division. And the Children's Division does a lot of things, and some of it, a lot of it revolves around foster care and and trying to find homes for for foster children. But before a child can be removed from a home, like, you have to investigate whether a situation of alleged abuse or neglect is actually substantiated or Mm not. And that's kind of where the whole concept of the Children's Division investigators come in, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in more detail. Yeah. And then insofar as an investigator in the Children's Division goes, what is an investigator's job? So their job is they get a accusation of abuse or neglect from the state hotline. And it's their job to find out whether that accusation is substantiated or not. And This is a very detailed and meticulous process. It involves calling the person that made the claim of abuse or neglect, which sometimes they can't do because it's anonymous or the person doesn't answer. They have to physically go to somebody's house and they have to meet with the people who are accused of abuse or person that's accused of abuse. They have to talk to the child. They have to talk with that child's siblings. They have to talk with sometimes law enforcement, and they have to sometimes talk with corroborating witnesses. And it's detailed and it's meticulous for a reason. Taking a child out of somebody's home is probably the most, as as Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman told me, is the most invasive thing a state government can do. Mm -hmm. But if it's warranted, if that child is in danger, like, it needs to happen. But that can't happen unless 
there is a very thorough investigation over whether a claim of abuse or neglect is true or not. So there's a lot to the job. It's consequential. Uh, And we're looking at a situation where there's not just a minor staffing shortage, but a, a major one. I'd like to invite you into the conversation. How has your life been impacted by the shortage of investigators at the Missouri's Children Division? If you have a question or comment about this topic, give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpr.org. So in the intro, we talked about numbers there's supposed to be 60, 60 investigators in the office that serve St. Louis City and St. Louis County. How is the department functioning with just 16 investigators? It's really challenging, to put it mildly. I think that there have been some stopgap uh, efforts where they bring other people from surrounding regions and from all over the state to help with this backlog. But I think that... And I, and I got to talk with the director of social services, Robert Nodell, and also the director of the children's division, Daryl Missy. They're very adamant. They need more investigators there full time um, for this backlog to be done. And when you talk about numbers, there are 6,124 cases of abuse or neglect that have remained open after 45 days. And the average caseload for one of these 16 investigators, and just I w- would like to note, there are more than 16 that have been hired, but some of them are still being trained. But there are 16 mm-hmm. right now, is 150 cases when it should be 12 to 15. Like these numbers are very stark, and they're sometimes difficult to wrap your head around. But I think that. There's no question that this is not, not, this shouldn't, there's no question from anybody I've interviewed that this should not be happening. Mm-hmm. And they, there, there, there are varying proposals about how to fix it. Yeah. So, I mean, an investigator, given the conditions we're talking about now, you know, what are they supposed to be doing and what can they actually get to? So I think when they are that overloaded, that becomes kind of the prominent question. There are, there are protocols in place that if a child is in imminent danger, that they have to see that child immediately and they have to call law enforcement. So that often takes top priority when you get that type of thing. But what ends up happening, and Daryl Missy kind of explained this, is that things that are not as emergent become on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And I think the the problem with that is, and and this is kind of a difficulty in describing this, we don't know what is in this backlog. These are closed records. They're closed records for a reason because they involve children, and these are just allegations of abuse or neglect. These are not been adjudicated. They're open. So we don't really know which each individual case is in the process. But, like, I think that's just generally thought right now that, 16 investigators cannot handle this many backlog cases. Mm. It's just not possible when they have so many new cases coming in on 
a regular basis. And just to drive that point home, you did talk with Daryl Missy, and he spoke with you on record. Again, this is the head of the Children's Division. And he talked about the tough calls that investigators are having to make about which cases to prioritize. You have some triage going on, obviously, because you've got a, a things that are crimes and are, are emergent, you, you, you put on the front burner. And then, you know, the, the dirty house case, the educational neglect case, those things uh, may take some more time because you're not, you're not thinking somebody's going to be harmed today because of that. So uh, it, it runs that gamut. And they investigate all of that, and they have to, like, like you said, they have to talk to the, 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 the person who is reporting. They have to see the child. They have to talk with the parents. They have, to, they have to investigate things and find out what really happened. And that is an involved process that takes some time. That was Daryl Missy, the head of Missouri's Children Division. You talked earlier, Jason, um, a little bit about how investigators do their work. Um, and triage is a term that has come up. So triage is happening, you know, it's necessary, but how sustainable is that? Like, what are the investigators, how are they doing their job? It's not sustainable. And I mean, I think it's not sustainable, and I know this. For one thing, I think people like Daryl Missy and Robert Nodell say it's not sustainable. Um, but I talked with three former workers at the Children's Division, and they, 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 two of them who were investigators left because the workload was just, was just unbearable. Mm-hmm. And it was heartbreaking for them to come to that decision because they really had a mission-driven focus of trying to help children. Mm-hmm. And they weren't doing it for the money, and they weren't doing it for fame or adulation. But at a certain point, they realized like they could not effectively do their job when there just weren't enough investigators. Yeah. And one of the people that you spoke with is Anna Riley. And she quit her job as an investigator after the workload became unsustainable. Here's her explaining what led to that decision. I worked Monday through Friday, and then Saturday I worked 9 a.m. until midnight, and then Sunday I worked 9 a.m. until 8 p.m. I went into work Monday, and I worked again. Um, And I couldn't anymore. Again, that was Anna Riley, a former um, investigator. Her voice catches there. Yeah. Why? I, I think I've talked to several former children's division workers, and I think they came out the other side just they, they were not they, – it was not a good experience for them. I want to make something clear. I don't think that this is – I don't think that state government ma- maliciously put these people in this situation. You're, you could make an argument that, you know, maybe in prior years there were some management decisions that were not good, okay? I don't think the Department of Social Services wants there to be 6,124 backlog cases. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they want people like Anna Riley – sounding like that yeah they I, I did not get that impression but just because like you understand it's a problem and that you are trying to fix it does not make the problem any less severe mm-hmm. like that's kind of what i've had to like wrap my head around in this story this is not a situation where a governmental a- agency tried to hide the problem tried to say that the problem is easily solvable tried to make excuses for it the department of social services was was very cooperative in this story. 
They allowed me to talk with high-level leaders. They gave me a lot of data. They put up with like endless amounts of questions that I had. Mm -hmm. So this is not a situation where they were trying to obfuscate this problem. And I got a sense they really do want to solve it. But I think that just because you you understand something is a problem and and, and are, are trying to fix it, doesn't make the problem any less urgent. Yeah. And I think that's that's an unusual thing to come about when you cover politics and policy, because oftentimes the, the reflex is to pretend it's not a problem or to defend the status quo. That's not the situation here. But getting out of the status quo, I think, is, is the real open question here. Mm-hmm. So this status quo question, right? When did the shortage begin? And what do we know about its causes, Jason? I, I think that a lot of it happened during COVID. Um, I remember reading some articles from the Kansas City Star, because this is not a new issue. This is I'm not the first person to write about this, that there were some layoffs in 2020. And I think that those layoffs um, hurt like career path uh advancement for some people within the children's division. I think you need to note Daryl Missy and Robert Nadell were not in charge then. So I think it's important to make that point. Um, I also think I have also heard from just from from people that going fully uh, taking away the option to work remotely also caused people to quit too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually asked the governor about that. I think the governor is open to maybe doing a hybrid, especially because investigators spend so much time traveling from place to place. Um, so I think that that's where it has its origins. I think that there has been efforts to raise pay for investigators as we'll probably talk about, it's still not enough money, but it, the pay has gone up. Um, but I think the ability to make a lot of progress has, I think I think the pay issue is paramount here. Right. And you had an opportunity to put this to Governor Mike Parson, and he said the situation is a problem he's concerned about. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, I, and I'm going from a law enforcement career, when you get a case file stacked on your desk, you know, at some point you're trying to get through case files, and that's the wrong area we want to have anybody in that position. We want to make sure they look at those case files, understand the fact of a case, and then understand how to take action. So it's not about, you don't want to put people in a position where they just can't handle the job or the stress of it and not be able to really help somebody. So again, that's up to us to get more people on the streets to be able to cover that, and I think that's going to be the way we do it, and that's way, and you got to fund it. And again, that's why I say we put $30 million in it and give them the red or the green light to hire a lot more people to get out here on the streets. So, Jason, in his remarks to you, Governor Parson mentioned $30 million mm-hmm. to hire more people. I mean, would that money help close the gap on staffing? Well, I think there, let me be clear. There are shortages in the children's division more than just investigators. And I would imagine that a lot of that money will be going to try and close the gaps in other places. So, yes, I do think that that could ultimately help the children's division become more stable. I think, though, that everybody agrees that the starting salary for, which is $43,000 a year, that may work in rural parts of the state where the cost of living is lower, but that just does not work in St. Louis for a job that we've just described is really difficult and really consequential. Mm -hmm. So I think that, and I talked with Republicans, Democrats, you know, child child welfare advocates, everybody in between, they are generally in agreement that 
you have to raise the starting salary for investigators. Um, I've heard arguments that there should be a cost of living differences, so you should be able to pay more in St. Louis than other places. I've heard that that could have unintended consequences and you should just pay all investigators more because there are also probably shortages in other places. But I think it really comes down to pay. And I think that if you are going to put so much value in this job that helps protect children from abuse and neglect, like value has to equal money at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And $43,000 a year, while again, it is more than what it used to be, is just not enough to be competitive. Mm -hmm. Are there other levers available to the governor in particular that could help improve the situation? So there's the whole question about contracting, which is gets very complicated, especially when you talk about investigators. So state law does not allow for contracting for investigations or the hotline. And there's very good reason for that. You should not pawn off to a private company the the ultimate authority about whether a child is taken out of your house or not. And I think that even people who are wildly pro-privatization would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a different there there are different opinions about whether maybe contracting in other places would then free up other employees to help with this backlog about whether that's a good idea. I I think that there I think it just is a matter of degrees. Like I don't think that you're going to be able to contract the entire children's division with the exception of the investigators and 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 the hotline unless those contractors are willing to take up a lot more work, especially in foster care. If they're only going to do a certain amount of cases, then I don't think that that's workable. And there have been people like Representative Hannah Kelly who have suggested that, and it's certainly something that I think people should debate thoroughly. But I think it all comes back to paying investigators more money. Um, And there's also another, there's, there's ancillary things that could possibly help, like Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman talked about having contractors that can go assess people, kids' safety, mm-hmm. and that could help investigators. And again, that is not a universally popular thing, but that's not the same as investigators being contracted. It's essentially helping them. That seems that seems to have some support, at least from Daryl Missy when I talked with them. So I, there are other things that can be done, but it really comes down to, to pay yeah. for, for investigators. We need to take a quick break here, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Let's return to our conversation with Jason Rosenbaum, STLPR politics correspondent. We've been talking mostly um, about effects on individual um, investigators, but we've not talked about families. Mm-hmm. So families are facing situations you know, every day. There are cases that are coming in. I mean, what do we know about how the shortage in investigators is affecting families right now? That's a really difficult question, but I don't think that the impact is positive. And I think that sounds very obvious. The thing that I just kept coming back to when reporting on this backlog was I know that of those 6,124 cases, 
not all of the, the, the accusations are going to be substantiated, and not all of the actions from the state involved taking a kid out of their house. Some of it could be, especially with neglect situations, like, hey, here's a social service program that can help you. We want to connect you with that service so you can be in a better position. Um, and as I mentioned before, like the really emergent cases of, of, of abuse that need immediate law enforcement attention, those are prioritized. But if there's a small percentage of this backlog where something is really bad is happening and it just can't be definitively proven or not, I think that's why so many people are alarmed. It's sort of this, it's, that, that is the thing that always is in the back of your mind. And I, I think that that is something that also is in the back of the mind of a lot of people that have followed this issue very closely. Mm-hmm. So the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County are definitely feeling the shortage. How does our region compare insofar as causes and effects go to others? It, it, it's an outlier. Um, we got the statistics for the other parts of the state. And the only comparable one is the Kansas City region. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's in the 3,000 backlog range. Mm. The other parts of the state, which are generally more rural, but sometimes have large suburban counties, are, are not even not even close to the 6,000 that 6,124 that St. Louis and St. Louis County have. And if I'm not I'm I'm not I'm a journalist, so my math skills are not always that good. But I did divide six thousand one hundred and twenty-four by the total backlog, which is around ten thousand, and that means St. Louis is taking up more than half hmm. of the entire backlog, which again is a situation that I cannot emphasize enough. Nobody thinks that that's acceptable. Um, nobody. Also, I want to make it clear: nobody's blaming the investigators either. Hmm. When you have a caseload that is so large, this is not. I don't want. I don't want people to come away thinking like this is the fault of the individual investigators. I, I hope that I haven't conveyed that. That's not that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the situation now is is such a challenging environment for these people that have this really important job that you have a situation now where the St. Louis is taking up more than half of the backlog cases in the state. And why is it that the St. Louis region is experiencing this shortage so acutely? So what what has been said to me is this is a really competitive labor market. Uh, first of all, Illinois is right next to us, and they pay their state workers more money. So that's number one. Number two, we talked about contracting earlier. Contracting, and I talked with Director Nodell and Missy about that, uh, Director Missy about this. Contracting can be a blessing and a curse. They can help the children's division when they have a, a capacity problem, but contractors can also hire away children's division employees because they typically pay better, <laughs> and the situation and and the work situation can just be more manageable for people. So that's also something. The other thing too that also was mentioned to me is. We're talking about social workers here. There are people that work in the social work field that could get more lucrative jobs at hospitals, at schools. Um, and I'm not saying like tremendously more lucrative. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about, especially with schools, they're still public servants. But the salary gap is still enough to convince them to work in another place as opposed to the children's sure. division. 
And that sort of dynamic is not really in place in other parts of the parts of the state, which is one of the reasons they've had the shortage. I mean, we've talked already about what a tough job this is for investigators. And we heard earlier from Anna Riley, who is a an investigator who quit. And for those listeners who may have just joined us, can you just highlight again why this is a particularly difficult job? Yeah, because it's a job where you're literally driving to somebody's house saying, I'm from the children's division. I've had an accusation. I've heard an accusation that you are abusing or neglecting your child, and I'm investigating that. Like, that's something I came about. I, I, I don't want to psychoanalyze myself too much in here, okay? But I, I could not stop thinking about, like, what I do for my job as a journalist and comparing what I just described and it's no, there's no comparison. Mm-hmm. Like the, that type of job is so much more difficult than I can imagine any job in state government. Um, I'm sure there are more difficult jobs, but I, I mean, it is a very difficult job. And does, it, does the state offer any sort of support, you know, specifically around mental health? I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I almost, almost assuredly they do. Um, and I think that the issue is that I do think that the people who get into this job know what they're getting into and they're doing it for a very specific reason and they're hardwired probably differently than I just explained. Okay. Mm -hmm. I could never do that job. That job would be something that would genuinely be very mentally difficult to do, but there are people that are, are hell bent on protecting this, uh, these states children. Who are are who will do it, but they won't do it for forty three thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. and I think that's what it comes down to. And they won't do it if they're being paid forty three thousand dollars a year and their caseload is unmanageable. Yeah, can you offer a little bit of clarity on the the difference between rural areas mm-hmm. in a region like St. Louis? I mean, you're not saying that rural areas deal with fewer abuse cases, right? Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. So part of it is difference is the cost of living is lower. The example that I've been giving throughout my questioning of officials is $43,000 a year in West Plains goes a lot farther than $43,000 a year in Oakville or Richmond Heights. And you can probably, those type of jobs, especially again, if you're hardwired to do that job, could be very attractive if you live in a rural area. I don't know if the amount of abuse cases is as much as is in St. Louis and St. Louis County just because there's more people here. Um, but you could make an argument that if you are attracting more investigators in those places because the pay is comparable to the cost of living, then you're not having as many cases and your job is is generally not going to be as difficult. And mm-hmm. I, I know this is it's a it's a little wonky and it's a little a little complicated, but I think that's generally what it comes down to, with the caveat that there are other places in the state which are having investigator shortages, as as Daryl Missy told me. Mm-hmm. And then what about professionals who work with abuse victims? And what do they have to say? I talked, I mean, I think that they are, they have been alarmed with the Children's Division situation for a while. As I said, this I'm not the first reporter to do a story on this, 
There have been other people who have written about the investigator shortage in particular. I don't think that the the, the statistics have been as vivid as it, as in this story because from reading a Kansas City Star article, unless I misread this, I don't think DSS was giving that many statistics to talk about the backlog. And they were, again, were forthcoming, forthcoming and cooperative here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think that everyone who, who, when I read the numbers to them, they weren't surprised by the numbers. They weren't surprised that there was a backlog, but they, they kind of had my, my reaction that I, I'm not surprised by this, but this is a, an alarming situation that we need to get a handle on to make sure that kids are safe and yeah. are not hurt. And someone you spoke with is Jessica Seitz, and she's the executive director of the nonprofit Missouri Kids First. And she explained the stakes of failing to get a handle on the backlog. The stakes are that every case that's been routed is a child and a child that is in a potentially unsafe situation and that children's division is has been you know mandated to to keep our kids safe in missouri and and the stakes are that they're not fulfilling this they're not fulfilling this obligation that was jessica seitz the executive director of the nonprofit missouri kids first so jason i mean with the stakes being so high is there a role for organizations like Missouri Kids First to play here? And I mean, to what extent are they also stuck waiting for state government to fix things? So uh, Kids First does a lot more than just lobbying legislators. They they are also involved with like, you know, nonprofits that, that help victims of child abuse. So I want to make that clear. They could certainly help with the lobbying here. But I think what several legislators told me is, first of all, this is up to the legislature and the governor and the administration to come up with some sort of funding increase that would hopefully entice people to work at the Children's Division. I think they also said it is incumbent on the public to pressure legislators to do that. So it's not just government, it's a people issue too. Jason Rosenbaum is STLPR's politics correspondent. Thank you, Jason, for talking with us about this story. Thank you. This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dore. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.